Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. Uh, for those of you who have been here the past few weeks, today uh, we're gonna conclude the series on the pursuit of joy. Um, and um, you know, two weeks ago, I shared with you a number of key verses in the Bible that sometimes are really, I'll say, hard to deal with, hard to, to conceptualize in our daily life. And one of them is James chapter 1, verse 2, that says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Hmm. Count it all joy. And again, it's not one of those verses that are easy for us to come to terms with because, you know, well, quite frankly, the very fact that we have to count something joy implies that that is not something that we would enumerate as God's blessing. Think about it for a moment. Count it all joy will kind of like give you the mindset that why is Paul telling us that? It's because we would not naturally count it all joy to be joyous and happy about the fact that we're going through trials. How many of you are happy that you're going through trials? Let me see you so that, oh, I was going to say, Bill, uh, don't let me come down there, Bill. <laughs> you know, naturally speaking, none of us, right, none of us are happy through going through storms and difficulties and trials in life. Now, there is a reason why probably Bill raised his hand, and then we're, we're going to talk about it shortly. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, Paul gives us a very clear instruction there. It says that in all circumstances, not for, but in, I-N, very important, in all circumstances, we should do what? Help me out. Give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances. If you have not yet done that, write it on your hand and memorize the scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. Because it is, again, yet one of those Bible verses that are really hard to deal with when it comes to the circumstances that we face, when it comes to the trials that we go through, when it comes to the difficulties that we encounter. Because it is not easy to give thanks to God in the midst of a trouble situation, in the midst of difficult circumstances. It is not easy to count a joy. And so this has got to be for us an indicator that God's perspective and God's mindset when it comes to our trials and circumstances is completely, utterly different than yours and mine. We see things from a human perspective. We look at struggles, circumstances, issues, and difficulties that we face, and we say, why God? Why God? Why God? And God is saying, give thanks. And God is saying, count a joy. Well, yeah, that's easy for him to say. There's no struggles in heaven. There's no difficulties in, in the kingdom, Right? at least in heaven, not on here on earth, because we got to face all of this stuff that we go through, and that's just not easy. Here's the truth about trials. The devil doesn't play fair. Are you with me? The devil does not play fair. Here's another truth about trials. People who hurt us are not nice. Have you noticed that? They're not nice people. Like, you are not nice, man. You hurt me. <laughs> Disappointments and pain and struggles and circumstances do not have to be, hear me out, they do not have to be your story forever. 
There are people, you know, do you know that this environment right here called church is one of the places where we get hurt the most? Have you noticed that? People say things to you they don't mean to say, but it just it comes out and it's like and it hurts and it stings and it's painful. And for so many believers, it is literally a pandemic of sorts where people get hurt and then they disappear. You don't see them anymore. You wonder what is going on. Did I say something? Did I do something? You start wondering. All of these questions come to mind. You know, someone said that the kingdom of God is the place where, or the army of the Lord, I should say, is the place where its soldiers kill its wounded. Right? We kill our wounded people. We struggle with the mindset of like not, being nice, right? As I said before, it's being kind, being gentle, being loving. We struggle. And so things sometimes happen. I'm not going to talk about uh, difficulties in that sense or, or conflicts today. I'm going to share something a little different about joy today. Because God's divine purpose for each and every one of us is to be what? Is to be like Jesus right? His purpose ultimately is for us to be like him. We have got to learn to be like Jesus, and that is not easy at times, and that is why we ought to choose joy in the midst of trials. Why do you say that, David? Why? Because Jesus did that. Jesus did not shirk away from his responsibilities. He went through it. And so what we are saying when we choose joy is, God, I trust you. I trust your word. I trust your heart. I'm going to go through it. With your help, I'm going to get to the other side. Can I hear an amen? Are you with me? Are you awake? Is your heart beating? Great. So let me share with you a couple of scriptures. Uh, the first one is found in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. And it says, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy, enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now we know that last part, right? We've memorized that part. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But we need to understand the circumstances of this verse. And I'm going to share that with you in a minute. And then Isaiah chapter 12 and verses 1 through to 6. It says this, and in that day, another one of those days, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is the strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, I've chosen these two Old Testament passages because they're very, very powerful. They were written very critical times in the history of the nation of Israel. And both of them have both prophetic and practical implications to each and every day that we live on this earth. Now, the number, first of all, the, the uh, first scripture in Nehemiah, if we can put that up again so that we can have it as a reference. Nehemiah, that, that time in the history of Israel was a very, very peculiar time. Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire had just finished ravaging Jerusalem. They had destroyed the walls of Jerusalem tore them down. They had gone through every home in the neighborhood, burned them down, and burned the temple down. And so Nehemiah, in the backdrop of this very difficult and traumatic period, Nehemiah and Ezra, both of them collaborated to bring about something different in the people of God. They wanted to encourage them. They wanted to let them know, hey, you know what? This is not the end. This is not the end. 
The people have been brought back from 70 years of captivity. And if you read in 2 Kings chapter 25, you will see that that entire generation has forgotten the things of God. They have forgotten the laws of the Lord. They have forgotten the decrees of God. That is something that happens to us all the time, doesn't it? If you don't instruct your kids, if I don't instruct my kids, you know what? That generation will come and go, and they will not walk in the ways of the Lord. We have a responsibility. And the people of Israel, they went through 70 years of slavery. And that literally paralyzed them as a nation because they had put aside, neglected the instruction of the Lord. That's why, guys, it's so important. Parents, if I can put this in brackets, take time to give your children instruction from the Word of God. It is so critical. It is so important that we take the time to teach them the Word of God, teach them the things of God, challenge them spiritually, let them know that God can do great things. He's just not a God that, as Raquel said earlier, that is just like a wimpy old little man up in heaven and he doesn't know what's going on. He has got strong legs and strong muscles, you know, like. He's a powerful God. So take the time to give your children and for us, to all of us, to give our children, our grandchildren, instruction from the Word of God. Many of them were strangers to God's plans and purposes. They did not know what God had decreed to Moses. And so God was basically telling the nation of Israel through Nehemiah and through Ezra, do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. I'm going to rebirth rebirth you as a nation. I'm going to rebirth uh, you around your identity, who you are. I'm going to restore who you are as a nation. And so in the midst of all that, God said, Don't eat, go fast, and be somber and mourning, right? Is that what he said? No. He said, enjoy food. That's my kind of God. Love some good food. Enjoy choice food, not just some food. That's like saying, okay, you know what? Stop going to Wendy and McDonald's and wherever else you go. Like, go to... A good restaurant. Go to Aqua Vino. You know? Like, have a good meal. Enjoy some good stuff. This is the day of the Lord, our God. Don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what? I can equate to that. If a God that is so powerful and mighty as he is invites me at the table to eat a nice, thick, top sirloin steak with him, you know what? I am going to have some joy. Do you understand like the principle behind it? God has given you a powerful illustration that our lives don't have to be like depression and down. No, even in the midst of the rubble, even in the midst of burned down homes, even in the midst of the walls of Jerusalem torn down, you know what? You can find joy. You can find joy in the midst of all that. I could preach a whole message just on that. But let me give you a little bit about the second passage in Isaiah. The second passage in Isaiah started with the words, in that day. And you got to ask yourself the question, what day is that? In order to understand in that day, you got to make a left turn backwards to chapter 11 and see what that day is all about. In that day, Israel, uh, or that particular phrase, refers to Israel's redemption and Israel's liberation, both from a physical point of view, but also from a futuristic point of view. In that day, in chapter 11, it talks about uh, Jesus coming from the lineage of David and David's father being who? Jesse. That's why it's called the branch of Jesse. The whole chapter talks about the branch, the stump, or he who came from the lineage of Jesse, David, therefore Jesus. In that day refers to Israel's time of deliverance 
from their physical enemies, but also ultimately a time when Jesus would set up his kingdom on earth and rule and reign here forever. That day will be a day of victory and a day of great celebration. Now, this is what we will call the future fulfillment of God's promises to all of us, to Israel certainly, but to all of us as his children. But the fact of the matter, guys, and I, I'm building something for you to, to understand why I'm doing this. Hopefully, I'll, I'll get there shortly. All of this, right, is great. It's good to realize that God is going to liberate us in a powerful way in the future, in the years to come. But the fact of the matter is that we go through struggles and trials today. What do you do with that? What do you do with the reality that today there are difficult times that each and every one of us is going to face? How do we deal with that? The Bible says that there's a real devil around. And it says that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So there is a real devil I know maybe that challenges your, your theology a little bit, but there is a real devil whose sole purpose is to destroy you, is to annihilate you, to discourage you, to do anything that he can to bring you into a place of defeat. So although we think that Jesus one day in eternity is going to give us a victorious eternity with him, we need some victories today. I need some victories today. I need to feel that God is in my corner today, that I don't have to struggle and live like this forever. And some days, guys, it's hard to get up out of bed, right? Some days it's just so difficult and challenging that you say, you know what, if I could just sleep an extra 30 minutes, maybe an extra 45 or an hour. If I could just stay in bed an extra hour and maybe have an extra cup of coffee, things would just be better. But the truth of the matter is that it doesn't work that way. Now, joy has its source. And joy by itself doesn't stand as an entity. And so joy has to come from somewhere. So the first place that I believe joy comes from and should come from is our salvation. Joy comes from our salvation. What did David say in Psalm 51? And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Now, guys, if you have given your life to Jesus and you have no joy in your life, you have got to check where the leak is coming from. There's a leak somewhere. If we absolutely have no joy in this Christian life, there is a problem somewhere. We cannot walk in this life as believers of Jesus Christ, having the Son of God living on the inside and not have any joy. It's unheard of. Unheard of. Salvation should bring us the joy of the Lord, knowing Jesus, guys. Knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, understanding that he's by my side, that should give us unprecedented levels of joy, unprecedented levels of joy because he lives on the inside of me. There's some, I don't know if you're with me this morning, but I'm telling you, I love Jesus so much. I love him. Don't you love him? I want to try to get you to, to tap into what's on the inside of you. Because sometimes we don't. We kind of like take it for granted. We come to church and we just feel good. And we do, you know, as Robert was praying today, I appreciated that. We do the three things. You know, we come, we serve, we give, and that's job done. Okay, see you next week. But God requires a little bit more from each of us. This is not just a responsibility. This is not just, you know, well, i got to do the Christian thing on Sunday. It's got to go deeper than that. 
And it goes deeper when we truly realize that Jesus comes inside of us to dwell in us and we have a responsibility to love on him and serve him and do all those great things. That, just to, to, re, to give him back, to give back to him just a portion of all the great things that he's done for us. Salvation should bring us joy. Knowing Jesus and loving Jesus, knowing that we're on our way to heaven. We are so blessed, so blessed. It's been said, no Jesus, no joy, just as you see on the screen. N-O Jesus, N-O joy. But no Jesus, K-N-O-W Jesus, no joy. And you can literally say that for every situation and everything in life. If you have no Jesus in your life, if you have not experienced the power of the presence of Jesus in your life, you will not know joy. But when you experience the power of the dwelling presence of Jesus in your life, you will know Jesus and you will know, K-N-O-W, know joy. Sin Sorrow, sickness, storms of life. What do I do with those, David? Well, those can be present, and they will be present in each and every one of us. But you know what? We can still find joy in the midst of trials. It's not about being super spiritual. You know, sometimes, you know, you talk to people that are going through hell, and you ask them, how are you doing? Doing great. I think that's what... Bill was referring to. You know, we talk about him for those of you who don't know, and maybe you're wondering if you're watching this on, on, on video, like who is Bill? Well, Bill is someone that's going through uh, a uh, cancer treatment, but he is in a bubble. We always talk about that, right? He's in a bubble of God's presence. And he has been doing chemotherapy, but absolutely feeling very little impact. Thankfully, thank you, Jesus. That's what, yeah. You can clap. You can clap. Thank you, Jesus, for Bill. And we're believing that God's going to set him free. We're believing that. Because we believe in a powerful God. So, is that irritating when people say, like, man, I'm like, life is so hard. But you know what? Thank God. I got Jesus on my side. I have to admit, there have been times where I have gone through situations, I talk to people and they're like, they're doing fantastic in the midst of their own situations and hellish circumstances. And I'm like, I'm just irritated by you right now. <laughs> Not be honest. I'm just, I'm just really irritated by you right now. I didn't say it, but it's like, mm, you know what? I just wish that I had that kind of faith. I don't know. Maybe it's just something missing in me. You know what? More than likely it is. Because we can find joy. Now, let me tell you what the Word of God says. Are you ready? Because there are scriptures for all this. we got to look to the Word of God and not to ourselves. And so Romans 15 and 13. This is the New Living Translation. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with Joy, joy, and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you with joy. God can fill us with joy. He is the very source. He is the place where it all comes from. Joy comes from him. And so everything comes from him. That is our promise. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 28. I love this verse. The prospect of the righteous is joy. The prospect. What's your prospect for your life? The prospect. You know what? The actual word in the Hebrew is like the hope of. The hope. You know what? You're going through circumstances. What's the prospect of me getting out? That. Joy. What's my hope of me getting out? You know what? Maybe I need to be joyful. Maybe I should try joy. 
Have you ever, have I ever tried joy when things are really tough? Lois and I have gone through some circumstances. Some days we've been like, you know what? And we, we've literally done this. We've taken the Bible, throw it on the floor and stand on it and say, we're standing on the word of God. We're like, we get mad at the devil and we start worshiping and singing like never before because we know that there is power in joy. Now, do we always do that? Absolutely not. But there are times and we have, and we have seen the power of the hope that produces joy. I love that verse. The expectant desire. This is my own translation, by the way. The expectant desire of the righteous is joyful at all times. It starts in joy and it ends in joy. That's what hope is. It, the expectant desire. First Peter chapter five and verse. Uh, sorry, uh, chapter one, verses eight through nine. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, or you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Joy comes from our salvation. Find a place where you can thank God rejoice in your salvation that he has saved you from damnation he has lifted you out of the worst conditions and he has given you life today guys the truth is that we either believe every verse that we have read we either believe this book or we don't we can either accept jesus and experience joy and and, and everything that he has for us or we just let it go there is no middle ground you can't have some little bit of joy. It's just going to have joy or no joy. Joy is a source, or salvation is a source of our joy. There's also another source. Joy comes from our purpose. Show me a person without purpose, and I'll show you a person without joy without purpose there is very little joy now when jesus entered the state enters the stage of our life both our significance and our purpose in this life should absolutely go through the roof should go through the roof if we're honest we in so many ways waste time and effort in pursuing attractions and things that really do not bring us the joy that we should experience with the Lord. I believe that we can do better. And listen to what Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is our identity. This is who you are. Do me a favor. Look at the person next to you and tell them, this is your identity. This is who you are. This is who you are. This is who I am. We are chosen. We are holy. We are royalty. We are a priesthood. That is who God already ordained for us to be. Now, what do you place your significance on? Ask yourself the question. Is it material possessions? Is it work? Is it pleasure and fun? Is it maybe your children, your family? Are those the object of your primary focus and your identity? None of these guys are bad in and of themselves. None of them are bad. Work is good. Pleasures are good. Material possession, we need them. Children, family, all of these are good things. But if they become an idol and they become a god in our lives, that's when the problems begin. 
The Bible says that we were once in darkness and we now walk in the light. Peter says, you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Guys, if we can stop a moment and appreciate this verse just as it is, that we were in darkness, that we could not walk by ourselves. When you're in darkness, you don't know what's around you. You don't know what's going on. Your eyes get used to like complete, total, utter darkness, and you just cannot see where to go. You don't know what's around you. You are totally unaware. And so we have got to learn to identify and understand that we were called out of darkness and we have a purpose. What is our purpose? What is our purpose? Because we walk with Jesus and because we have joy, that joy should translate into us naturally communicating Jesus to this world. Are you with me? That should naturally be. We don't have to try to go through ups and downs and, and, and flips and, and, uh, and, and so on and so forth. We shouldn't try to do anything special where we have Jesus inside of us. It should emanate from us. It, we should not even try and tell somebody, well, you know, I'm a born-again believer, you know. I love Jesus, you know. I go to church on Sunday. But are you being nice? Are you treating people nicely? When you go to a restaurant, are you leaving that at least 18% tip? Are you being kind to your waitress and your, and your waiter? Are you, just being, are you reflecting the nature of Jesus? Am I reflecting the nature of Jesus? That should come naturally from us. Our life purpose must be centered around the fact that we are citizens of the kingdom of God and our rule for living are not the same as everybody else's. We live for Jesus. We live for him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. Not what I desire, but what you desire, Father. Are you imposing your will on God? Are you telling God, my will, not yours be done? Or are we saying, not my will? Is this will for our lives changing us? You say, can you actually impose your will on God? Well, think about it for a moment. Does God force you? Does he force you to do anything? Come on, does, anybody? Does he force you to do anything? Does not, right? So can we impose our will on God? Yeah. If he says to do something and we don't, are we imposing our will? I think that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? We are very powerful in that sense because God knows our hearts deep inside. Psalm 119 verses 1 and 2 says this. It's a powerful verse. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. That's our responsibility, guys. Let me give you the last one. Joy comes from victories won. Joy comes from victories won. In part one, we declare that joy is more than an emotional outburst of happiness. It is a weapon against the enemy. We can wield this weapon at any time when we see and rejoice in the victories that we have won. It's fun to win, isn't it? Don't ask me to win if you go play golf because it's just, I always come in last. But you know, yesterday, they, uh, you know, a bunch of guys attempted murder on my life by putting me on a court in tennis playing two and a half hours. And uh, not only did I probably lose, I don't know, 25 pounds in the process, I felt like. But, uh, you know, we had fun. But you know what? You know, Nilo is a tennis player like 
very good tennis player. And Nilo and I, on one side of the court, we were like the kings of the court for the longest time. I mean, like, we were just like, he was on the baseline, I was on the net, and I'm just hitting every ball over the net. I'm like, get out of here. And you know what? I felt good winning. I'm like, ah, this, I, you know what? This is not golf. I'm thank God. I, <laughs> victory. It was fun. It was painful. It was fun. It's fun to win. Now, look at what Miriam in Exodus chapter 15 did. I love this scripture. Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. Do we have tambourines? We should give every woman a tambourine in the church. Wouldn't you love to see that? And Miriam sang this song. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horses and rider into the sea. Wow. They walked on dry land. Their entire Egyptian army trying to, like, oh, let's just follow God's people. Let's see what happens. Wrong move. They all got destroyed. Because we serve a powerful God. And so right out of that, Miriam said, man, I'm going to like, I'm going to let it know. I'm going to rejoice and celebrate and do a little dancing and do a little tambourine. You know, and I'm just going to have a good time. That is what we don't do enough of, guys. We don't celebrate enough. We don't rejoice enough. We get so weirded out when it comes to worship and praise. Like, you know what? There's an element of worship, right? And, and that, you know, we often equate it with the quiet worship songs and, and the introspective times. But there's such a thing as praise. I wish that I had time to explain to you the word praise in the Hebrew, halal. It's like, it, it has a powerful warrior-like meaning. We have got to become warriors for Jesus. That means that we express, we express our joy. We express what God has done in, for us, and through us. People had just realized that, man, God has set us free from the Egyptians. We have walked through the other side of the Red Sea. Wow, how did we even do that? I don't know, but God did it. So I'm just going to rejoice and be glad because he has done something that I could never experience or expect that he would do. Wow. So let me ask you the question today. What? See, have you crossed and you have not told anybody about? You know why we have that box that Kim mentioned in the back? It's got all those labels and, and um, one of them is to share your testimony. Because we want to know what God is doing in your life. You know, some of us may not realize, like last Sunday, Walton came in limping and he left and played basketball, I, I hear. He was sore, not on his foot, but he was sore from every other muscle that, was playing, that, that he utilized, you know? I mean, God healed his foot completely. We've heard testimonies of God's power and grace in our midst. We have got to learn to just rejoice and testify. So if God does something, anything in your life, testify. If you're not brave enough and, and courageous enough to come up here to do it, just Drop us a note in the, in the box and we'll share it on your behalf because it's powerful. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 says that they overcame him. That is the devil, Satan. They overcame him by the word of their testimony, of the blood of Jesus and the word of the testimony. It's so important that we put everything that we have at our disposal for the glory of God. That means that we have got to tell people. We have got to share the message. We have got to share the, the very powerful things that God does in our lives. If He saved you, delivered, and set you free, and you're walking in freedom today, let people know about it. Don't hold back. Let people know about it. The devil should be under our feet. But oftentimes, he's actually in our head. 
Because we're thinking, what are people going to think? We get fear of men and concern and worry and anxiety. Oh, people are not going to accept me. I can't be that fanatical type of believer because it's just, they're going to just shut me down and, and, and no one's going to listen to me. But you know what? This, that's why I was saying we should be natural in the way that we express our faith to God, to other people, because that's just, God is, should be with us in every step of the way. Everything that we do, He's got to be part of our very lives. Jesus, help us. Sometimes the best way to solidify your victory is exactly what Miriam did. It is to rejoice and sing and dance because that is where we take the time to celebrate what God has done. Let me give you some verses real quick. Psalm 27, verse 6. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. That is, if it's saying above my enemies, it's because the enemies were all around him. I'm going to hold my head high above my enemies, and I'm going to celebrate with shouts of joy. Psalm 5 and verse 11 says, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. And then finally, Psalm 138 and verse 5. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. It says, yes, they will sing of the ways of the Lord, joyfully celebrating his wonderful acts, for great is the glory and the majesty of the Lord. Philippians 4, verse 4, I think we all know this scripture very well as well. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it again, rejoice. You might say, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the struggles that I'm going through. But you know what God does? And what does God say? What does he say? Rejoice. Rejoice always. I want to say it again. Rejoice. Be happy. In Acts 16 is one of my all-time favorite stories of the Bible when Paul and Silas were in a prison. I want you to know that Roman prisons were not, you know, max security penitentiary of today with television and, uh, you know, a chef cooking you a meal. They were bound up in chains thrown in a jail. No bed, I'm sure that there was no bed, probably on dirt. They had been flogged and beaten and probably bleeding and open sores in their body, laying in that prison cell, probably did not know what else to do. But at midnight, the Bible says, at midnight, there's significance in the hour, midnight hour, right? That does not only refer to an actual time. It does refer to a time midnight but it also refers to the midnight hours of our lives. At midnight, when things were quiet and people maybe were sleeping, at midnight, have you ever woken up at midnight? <clears throat> have you ever gone through a midnight hour? Let me give you this tip. Instead of turning on Netflix, turn on the Word of God. Turn your spirit on with the Spirit of God. But at midnight, in the midst of this utter confusion and just pain and sorrow, the Bible says that they began to praise. Wow. I'm like, this is crazy. How do you do that? How do you, humanly speaking, do that when you have gotten cuts and sores and you're filthy, dirty with ball and chain on your feet? How do you do that? I don't know. I don't know. But they did. And the Bible says that in the midst of their singing, maybe they were saying, I don't know, they were singing, how great is our God. Sing with me. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, every single door in that prison opened up. It wasn't just their door. 
That is why when we come together and we are singing and we're worshiping and we're praising God together, you don't understand or know what your praise is doing in the heavenly realm. When we praise God, something happens. God is unlocking doors, not just for you, but he's unlocking doors for others around you, people around you. That's the power of agreement. And so every prison door was open. And they all had a praise worship service and they started singing, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. And I know none of you know that song, right? I'm going to praise his name. His day is just the same. Oh, I'm going to praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. And that is where we have got to be, friends. We have got to get into a place where we utterly worship and sing and not abandon. Hey, I'm going to call the band to come up because we're going to do that. We're going to do that today. I, you know, I don't know what circumstances you're facing in your life, but we're going to sing a little song and we're going to do a little praising and we're just going to rejoice a little bit. Is that all right? Is that all right? Come on, is that all right? You know what? There's an old song. I don't even remember the, the band. Maybe my daughter Sammy might know. But, you know, it was, Took the shackles off my feet so I could dance. Was, there you go. I'm just going to praise him. Just going to praise him. I know I could just go on and on. Because I love the power of praise. And maybe that song comes from Acts 16. Because God took the shackles off their feet. And they started to praise. And they started to dance. And they started rejoicing. Because of the power of a mighty, powerful, awesome God. We serve that God. And so I'm telling you, joy is not just a satisfaction for a moment joy is a commitment joy is something that we decide to do joy is the way of the kingdom of god righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit oh man i want us to stand together and we're going to sing this song The God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord. And we won't be quiet. We're gonna shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Their God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, 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 we shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross, then he rose up from that grave. My God still holds on. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Cause we were the beggars. Now we're royalty. 
watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.